0: welcome to the sound of movement podcast and today we're kicking off a new week talking about athletic development for the whole week today's show is about functional movements are they good are they bad we're going to give you the scoop have you ever done functional movements before well if you haven't learn about it here
1: Greetings, if you're new to the tribe, we've got Rich behind the mix, Rad is at the table with me, Yanni Bormeister, and we are Unity Gym, experts at turning driven people into athletes. This episode is brought to you by the Unify Movement System, the only online program effectively balancing strength, flexibility, and fitness so you can unleash your inner athlete. Uh, Get daily coaching by us, plus an epic foundations prep program, our revolutionary structural balance blueprint to create your ideal program and optimize your performance as a valued listener. You guys can grab a free month. Use the link in the description. Now, before we get started, I want to send a warm welcome. If you're on the live stream in the UMS Movement Mastermind Facebook group. Leave a comment and we'll send you some love back. Remember, anyone can join and interact. And lastly, big shout out to our YouTube athletes catching the replay. Hit that like button, support the channel and subscribe if you like what you see. Now, today we are joined by Phil White from ADPT Physio. He's our resident physio here and just all round smart dude. How are you today, Phil? So well. So well. Yeah, I mean, we're
2: doing athletic development this week and uh, that's what ADPT is. It's athletic development, physical therapy. So there you go. This is your jam.
1: Yeah, <laughs> this is your jam, and uh, yeah, we're, we're we're excited about this one. This is what we call our advanced um, uh, sort of elevation phase of our content series. We start with the beginner stuff, we move through the intermediate stuff, and now for the next nine weeks, no, three weeks. We're on advanced this is about like taking your performance to the highest level so for all of you who have been following liking subscribing uh giving us those five star reviews on the podcast this is uh your moment because we're going to take you above and beyond so today we're talking about functional movements and this is a controversial topic
0: yeah it sure is it's um well it's funny to even talk about because there was i mean we've been personal trainers now for almost 17 years yanni and i and w- there was a time when functional movements and functional training was like the real buzz thing. And I remember thinking, you know, what is it? How do I get in on it? And, uh, and I, went, I went down the rabbit hole a bit. I, I did uh, several years of where that was the kind of training that I did. Um, had some friends that were quite into it. And, um, yeah, so we've tried it.
1: We've been there. We've done that. So let's talk first of all about what we call functional, and then let's talk about what we hate about functional, okay? We have our... Um, our. Uh, Can I just say quickly before you do this, do you remember when people used to come to Unity Gym and say, do you guys do
0: functional training functional here? Dysfunctional training, that's exactly <laughs> right. Nah, dysfunctional, yeah, yeah. exclusively. Yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> yeah. there's nothing functional here. yeah. No. yeah.
1: <laughs> Look, we we have our uh, we have fi- fifteen movements that we build our program around. What do we call them, Phil? Fundamental. Fundamental <laughs> movements. Yeah. Oh, man, I have a problem with the word. Three times today. I have a problem with fun- <laughs> the word fundamental. I just can't seem to remember it. We have fifteen fundamental movements uh, with the UMS program, and th- those movements are the fundamental movements because they are what we test for every testing phase, which is happens every six weeks here in the UMS. And uh, and then we use those fundamental movement patterns to build your program and to customize your program to sort of keep your body moving in a direction where you're developing strength, flexibility and fitness, but your best balanced body at the same time as well. Now, that blueprint is sort of different for everybody because you have different uh, genetics, you have different a- um, athletic experiences, you have different injury history and, and all of those different things can sort of um, uh, change what you need, what your body needs, you know. and each of those movements the reason why they are our fundamental movements is because they all carry over to athletic development and any sport that you do you know and we had a bit of a discussion offline about this you know when I when I was um doing a a workshop many many years ago with the late Charles Poliquin he was you know he he was very very specific about this and he drew the line uh, we got a lot of research to indicate that things like a bench press carry over to sports where you throw a ball or or, or he used a, a shot putter at the Olympics, for example. And uh, uh, But we have very, there's basically no evidence to prove that if you strap your, if you hold onto a cable and try and mimic the shot put movement, it has any carry over. And what the reality is that when this functional movement explosion came out, uh what we found what we found was that you know uh, standing one leg on a bosu doing bicep curls it only makes you better at standing one legged on a bosu doing bicep curls it has no carryover to any sort of athletic performance or sport and and therefore you know it's okay to do them and and i liked what sort of one of my mentors tony bitagi once said i got no problem with you doing them as long as you're really clear to the person or athlete as to why you're doing it you're doing it to entertain them you're not doing it to make them better at their sport i remember debating tony in one of our one of his workshops Um, You know, a
0: friendly debate, of course, meaning I wanted to know why this was the case. And my I was arguing, I was saying, isn't a squat thruster more functional than doing a squat and a shoulder press? Because you can do more in less time. You can do the squat and the shoulder press all together. And Tony's answer was really, really good. And this is the beautiful thing about having friends uh, like Tony who have done as much research as he does. He said, that's a really good theory, Rad, but the problem is that your body can only recruit a hundred motor units at a time, no matter what the movement that you're doing is. And if those motor units are all being recruited to do the squat and the shoulder press, you're doing sub-maximal effort on both of them because you can't produce as much strength as you could if you were just doing a shoulder press and you can't produce as much strength as you could if you were just doing the squat. And so he said, yes, you're right, you'll get more done in less time, but you won't develop the same overall strength as to if you just did squatting for, x amount of sets and you just did shoulder pressing for x amount of sets and that was the moment when i started to think hmm this functional training isn't as good as what people seem to think it is.
2: not sure about that recruiting 100 motor units at a time thing but i would like you just heard to that? N- yeah look into that you haven't heard that before no <laughs> anyway we'll look into that because like it's a yeah. i don't know motor units are a, yeah we won't go into a motor unit discussion here but anyway that's yeah. a yeah yeah, chat yeah that's but like I, I i agree that that would like that Principle would still hold hold true, and if you're, you know, you'd be massively under loading your squat if you're doing an overhead press with that same same weight so
1: that conversation was well over 10 years yep. ago as well yep. so i, I think yeah. the the uh number used. i remember the conversation but i think the number used was arbitrary it was yep. yeah. just basically saying your body can packs. only recruit a certain amount of muscle motor units and yep. right. uh, okay. therefore yeah. when you do something that's r- dispersing them over a, a much more um weird, like more more muscles, more yeah. movements yeah. at the same time, then what gets deployed for each of those sections of the movement, bend your elbow, elevate yeah. your shoulder, hold yeah, your yeah. body up, is spread more yeah. thinly, yeah. you know? I think, I, I do remember the conversation, but I think that the number was actually arbitrary. It yeah. was yeah, just right. used. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Anyway, but yeah, the point totally still holds true. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think like the interesting thing that I think we should probably start off with is like, what is a functional movement? Because I think this is where it kind of really like that is so much of the discussion is like you know there's kind of that the that functional movement movement was kind of all about people like going back to sort of trying to find these like primal movement patterns that mm. then made you better at something like yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of unclear exactly what it was but um yeah and i think you know that's how like a certain subsect of the health world would describe a functional movement when i think of functional movement i think like okay what is going to make you better <laughs> at you know Athletic movements, like yeah. <laughs> so, I think that that definition is quite an, uh, an important one, and probably where the conversation
0: starts. And I think that that, that the functional movement movement probably started um, w- at least in our gym. It was kind of like a, a push against the assisted machines, you know, because in Fitness First, yeah. a massive amount of training was done in machines. And if you in all it, gyms, it, yeah, at least yeah. in the big chain gyms that we went that we were at and i think the functional movement um style training was like a push against that it was like no 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 we're not going to use those machines we're going to do functional movements and in that respect i guess there was some there was some weight to it you know and i guess in that respect it had a good reason as to do it
1: just to be clear in all gyms it was crossfit that brought back the notion of free weights yeah right. because i mean if if you go back and look at the history of gym training and and the, the Nautilus created the first assisted machine, and then they had the Nautilus circuit, which was I think 21 machines that covered the entire body, and it was all designed to be to be able because when bodybuilding exploded and training in the gym got really popular, people realised very very quickly that paying a bodybuilder who knew how to lift weights was extremely expensive to mm. teach people and make sure that they knew how to come into a gym and not hurt themselves and get a good workout done. So Nautilus took off t- starting to develop the concept of leverage and and, uh, and and replicating what you did with dumbbells, barbells, kettlebells, and clubbells with a machine that was safe, that didn't need any coaching whatsoever. You could look at a diagram and go, I push that thing or pull that lever or twist there and it's going to give me that work, that exercise and hit those muscles. And so it was it was a pull away from it was it was to improve asset efficiency, essentially Mm. to to, to make it so that people that that running a gym was cost effective. You know, problem was that we didn't really realize that that would have an effect uh, negatively on athletic performance and functionality and that's where i i agree with phil 100%. Um, if we really want to uh, understand the meaning of the word functional movements it, it is um, to simplify something that's going to improve your athletic performance, you know, that's something that you can do outside of the gym and 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 that's also where the line got really blurred. We confused coming to the gym for getting good at gym. Mm. Uh, and that's what bodybuilding kind of is. It's like to, to you know, you, you there's no i there's no um, when you train as a bodybuilder, you're not trying to get good at anything outside the gym. You're trying to get good at flexing in the, mu- in the mirror uh, in the gym, you know. And, so, and, and, and then that really helped to blur the lines of why we train as well, you know. And so when functional training came back in and was popularized a decade or so ago, maybe two decades ago, it was all about going back to performance and going back to how the body actually performs. Um, but it really got taken uh i, I think it, it 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 got monetized you know and it turned into an entertain a a, 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 a way of entertaining and a way of being different it became its own per, purple cow so to speak if you're a, a, if you understand or have read that book from seth Godin. and it became a, a, a point of difference a way that you could separate yourself as you said from the the gym machines that we knew really weren't training people to the best way possible. They were more about saving money um, and making gym okay for everybody, which is cool, you know. At least in the Fitness First
0: gyms in Sydney, in the 2000s, in the mid to late 2000s, there came a point where if you didn't know functional training and you hadn't done any of those poor check workshops, you were one of the little dogs what in, those, the, in um, the gym, you know?
2: Those things that you... Yeah. Swung around with the, like, oh, two yeah, handles the and they bag. carried oh, the... No, 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 they were the on bol- the plastic The Vipers? Things. Yeah, the Vipers. Vipers, yeah. Vipers. Yeah, yeah. I think that was kind of like yeah. functional training. And, it, it's, and, and I totally agree with Yanni, you said sort it's of like, like that, that moving away from, you know, gym machines. And I feel like it's just human nature to then take that too. Every extremes. extreme, and yeah. we're like so often, you know, it's probably what's right for people is somewhere in the middle. But we like to go to extremes, and, yeah. and, and I think the vipers was well. there. And there's,
0: well, there's been so many of those things yeah. that there was the yeah. the slam balls as well. You remember those, the yeah. slan, like, which is a, a medicine ball on the end of a rope, and there's all these things yeah. you can do with them. And there's been a lot of fad. I mean, even Bosu's, you know, Bosu balls were huge for a yeah. while in fitness first, and I haven't seen one used in probably a decade. Well, they what, do. Get, what,
1: they still get used, but they were. It was yeah. pretty, look. All of these things came about because of the because of theories Theor, yeah. theories conceptualized based yeah, on this exactly. functional movement yeah. the, the muscle planes theory where oh hang on well if all of the muscles the fibers are on angles through the body then why are we moving Forward and backwards and in sagittal planes we should be moving with muscle planes and all this sort of stuff. But then <laughs> there was no strange. actual research behind we it. We run in
2: strain lines, we're not crabs. Like
1: that's <laughs> the point. <laughs> yeah, they were the, they were theories for <laughs> so what did you say? We, we run in we straight run line, in line we're lines, not, not crabs. <laughs> 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 that's really and, good. And, it, and it's and it's <laughs>
0: important to note if there's, you know, a couple of pieces of equipment that have stood the test of time in any gym. It's dumbbells, barbells, and and squat racks.
1: You yeah, know, those ke- kettlebells and club bells have been around for a long time yeah. too. It's just that how you use them, yeah. you know, is uh, is is different. But you know, th- this is what happened. You know, um, uh, CrossFit exploded and repopularized, which was a bloody good thing. Free weights and uh, and uh, and essentially you, the use of barbells and kettlebells and things like that. Uh, that exploded back into mainstream. Uh, I think largely due to CrossFit, you know, yeah. and there. But then, you know, people really latched onto this functional um, uh, movement, uh, movement, and started to conceptualise ways to train that were. Moving in different muscle planes, and then thought, well, hang on. If we need to move in muscle planes and, muscle and things like that, then why don't we just hold something and rotate? And, uh, and 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 then all this different fad equipment started to explode. I mean, even for a while, cables were a fad. Yeah, you know, like cables. And uh, you know, Paul Chek came out with a revolutionary program at the time, which was his golf biomechanics program, which. Um, you know, essentially was designed and, and pitched at golf players who were swinging golf clubs. And, and, and his, um, you know, uh, theory was that you, in order to get better at swinging a golf club, you had to swing a golf club in the gym under load essentially, and say, what's the best way to do that with the use of a cable? And um, and then they exploded, you know, and and I went down that fucking rabbit hole like deep. You know, I climbed all the way in until my head wouldn't fit anymore. Um, And uh, and yeah, like it was it was like I, I, I entertained a lot of people for a long time doing it. You know, we didn't get very good results. Like in weight loss or muscle gain. And, uh, and, and I was lucky at the time that I wasn't training any professional athletes because I'm sure their coach would have been very disappointed in,
2: in my... Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> so if we kind of go into that that sort of space of like, you know, getting, adding resistance to sport-specific movements, like it kind of, it's one of those things that makes, it seems like it makes sense. Like, oh yeah, you know, if you want to throw a ball harder, just like throw a heavier ball or add cables to it to resist it or golf swing. But, yeah, the thing with, like, skill execution is it's not just a, like, that just completely messes up, basically, your proprioception and your, like, the sort of automatic um, skill development that, you, that happens with motor control and learning. So when you have, when you suddenly start to, yeah, change the way it changed the resistance, suddenly, instead of, like, working in a, like, if you've got now a resistance pulling you backwards, that totally disrupts sort of how gravity affects things, and it basically will just make you worse at the skill not not better or make you more powerful it will basically yeah it,
1: it, it it's detrimental it. Yeah, so yeah, that's exactly right and so how do we make someone more athletic and this is this is something that I really really went down the rabbit hole of because when I was boxing I obviously wanted to learn how to throw a faster and harder punch and uh, and I dug very deep into the research and even for a 4 year period I subscribed Maybe six-year period. I, I subscribed to the International Journal of Strength and Conditioning, and every month they release a great publication that I never read. But what I did pay—what <laughs> e- I did pay extra for—was their magazine, where they basically put the the top research studies, maybe twelve different studies in that magazine, which was a, a far easier read. And uh, and I read that every month. And um, and. One of them uh, happened to be predominantly on the most up-to-date research on training fighters, mixed martial artists, boxers, and kickboxers. And I was really, like the whole fricking magazine was highlighted at the end of it because I used so much of it in my own programming. And I was really, really um, interested to find out that the way that they found training a a fighter was, you know, they used, I I, I could be wrong. It it was either a contrast method or a, a complex method uh is the is what they called uh where they would do a maximal load for speed power protocol so not to failure that's very important you have to still be moving quickly uh a squat and then they'd within th- uh, a few seconds th- maybe 30 40 or 60 seconds you would jump onto a heavy bag and do um you know four really powerful kicks on each leg and and w- what that was doing was it was uh, it was teaching the central nervous system to develop the strength in the squat and then how to carry that over into the practical movement and then you do the same thing with uh with an uh, an upper body movement for boxers you do an, an incline they actually recommended a 15 kilo low incline press because it mimics the incline of a uh, 15 degree mimics the, the angle of a punch and then you do a plyometric explosive movement for the punch either hitting the bag or throwing a wall ball or doing a plyometric push-up or something like that you know and so you, the movements that you were doing to develop the strength and the speed were the, the bench press the squat the deadlift you know it wasn't uh, it wasn't you weren't using a cable or a club bell and swinging it and trying to do something like that and and they did it they put they put a lot of research into this you know and and I trained a bunch of athletes, and luckily at that point I started to get some athletes. I trained a basketball player, and we did some really great work on plyometrics to increase his vertical leap. And he was uh, he was also a friend of mine, so I was able to really um, um, chat to him about it. He said. Over that f- um, four-month period that he did the training protocol with me in his off-season, when he went back out to train, it was almost embarrassing. He, f- he was like, I can't believe I'm playing in this league. He was just ripping shreds over the rest of the people on the court in his agility, in his speed, and in his um, vertical leap. You know, yeah, uh, that was Scotty. Uh, swalwell yeah. yeah and um and yeah he came back and was just blown away by the by the improvements and and it was much more simple selection of movement than you would think you know obvious stuff he was doing um clean and jerks uh snatches front squats and then mixed with plyometrics base jumps box jumps jump overs things like that you know and and um it made a lot of sense when you when you dive into it you know it made a lot of sense and so you know we, we at this point you know we should really bring it back into you know why we train in the gym we train in the gym very very like straightforward we train in the gym to improve someone's strength speed flexibility or fitness and increase their load capacity so that by the time they take the field or the court they are able to produce better results we don't train them in the gym to improve their skill on the field they do that on the field they do that with their coach uh, with a tennis racket when they're on the tennis court you know um, when i googled functional movements to get an updated uh, idea of what they're swinging on youtube right now as a functional movement one of the first videos that came up was a guy uh, a coach who'd strapped a band to a tennis racket and he had his athlete swinging the racket against the resistance of the band and it almost <laughs> made me puke and it was great because it was uh, the, nothing's changed there's still idiots out there uh teaching poor people unfortunate people the wrong shit, How's which that? makes it really easy for us to to be successful mm, that dude um functional patterns is he dropped off the radar, though, didn't he? Oh, I don't know. Is he well, still going?
0: Uh, I, see, I still see him going. And yeah, I still really? See, yeah. Uh, he has dropped off the radar, but, geez, he was, he was going for it about a year or two ago, wasn't he? he yeah. Was, you, couldn't, you couldn't get away from him on um, functional social patterns, media.
1: How not to swing a kettlebell. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah it was I wasn't going to point fingers, but we've done it now. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so from a physio standpoint, what do you think about um, the idea of functional? Like we've kind of built a decent case that it doesn't carry over to the athletic or sporting field here. But what about injury resilience or injury management? What do you think from a physio standpoint?
2: Yeah, I mean, like, it, again, it's so hard, to, like, so many people have different ideas about what functional training is. So whether or not it's like a, a lunge with a twist using a, you know a sandbag and and whatever like I, I just feel like with all of that it just adds this complexity that then just confuses people and gives people the wrong idea about what's going to make them better they think it's some like magical combination of of you know movements and slings rather than understanding the kind of core basics of like low capacity, building resilience and, 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 you know, building strength and mobility. And so that's where I think, you know, it can certainly be a useful tool. And like, I'm sure there's lots of physios out there who use it to great effect. But I think that like, if you're just getting these fundamental movements, as we train in the gym here, you're getting a really good structural balance by training all the, you know, main core movements that we talk about, um, then that just makes so much more sense to me. Like Mm. you, you're, you can just really confuse people by thinking that they need some wacky combination of of you know twisting and turning and, and balancing and whatever like at the same time, and that just I don't think is very helpful. Um, but you know certainly if the person needs like a level of balance that doesn't maybe come with doing lots of bilateral training in the gym, then with balance it's it's you got to treat it just like strength training, where you need to progressively overload it, you need to make it more challenging, and so therefore you know. <coughs> And by adding in like dual tasks, so balancing while doing something else, is a great way of progressively overloading balance. So that's where I see it. Say, you know, if you're working with someone who wants to get really good at slacklining, or you know, they've had like ankle injuries where they, after injury, you generally get pretty poor proprioception where when you get damaged to an area. So um, trying to basically overload balance to make up for a lack of, of intrinsic um, sort of passive strength in a joint is a really good call so you know getting on a burst ball and doing your bicep curls or whatever you're doing like that makes sense to me as a like advanced progression of balance but like I wouldn't be spending my time doing that as my fundamental training.
1: Yeah the best example of um, m- misuse of the idea of fundamental exercise or fundament- uh, functional training sorry uh, I think was the explosion of people trying to squat on a football and that mm-hmm. was like this, you a football know, or a basketball or an actual football, football, football. Man. And yeah, there's Google there's, it, a, classic, there's a classic there's a classic photo uh, of a trainer there, you know, like going, yeah, you're doing it, and a guy with a ba- twenty kilo barbell with weight plates on it, halfway down a, a, a freaking squat on a on a football, and uh, and we used to throw that around like, and, and it was funny because I do remember the days when everyone was trying to do that, you know, uh, I wild. certainly tried. I actually stacked uh, in front of two female clients who used to train together once trying to demonstrate a squat on a fitball because they asked me if I could do it. And I was like, yeah, I could pr- I'm pretty sure I could do it. And I stacked hard, like in front of them. They were both like, oh, my God, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sweet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <mate. laughs> it's flat on my back. Oh, my uh, and so <laughs> it's just not. Yeah, it's it's not recommended yeah. uh, unless it's for a party trick, you know, to show off. Now, it's funny because we do say, you know, a lot in our in our physio discussions and our injury uh, management and resilience discussions that you have to practice, you know, doing things uh, because even being becoming really good at a deadlift doesn't necessarily bulletproof your your back from you know, not going into spasm when you pick up a suitcase off the turnstile at the airport, you know. Yeah. And so there is this um, this no, a notion that you do need to sort of train right, movement,
2: up movement variability is really important yeah. and, because that's what gets you prepared for basically doing anything like when you need it but i think you know that then people just have like as humans like to do we just go too far down a rabbit hole and then just add exclusive like you go so far down the variability path that you're then not progressively overloading yep. anything yeah yep, <laughs> yep, yep. and that's where it becomes really problematic like yeah and yeah i think like you're much better off like progressively overloading some, you know, core fundamental movements for the people who, because you just don't have an, enough time in the day to do all the fundamental movements, which yeah. we, you know, is the basis of the Unity Gym program, and then add in all this, like, you know, gym stuff. Like, I'd much rather be, like, building up my fundamental movement strength and then going out and exploring different sports and activities where yeah. you're, you're adding movement variability in a, like, fun, enjoyable, like, kind of way rather than yeah yeah
1: and and we made a change last year which was a very conscious change it was one to improve asset efficiency uh two to improve floor space um uh and functionality in the gym and three in the back of my mind i knew that this was going to create some really good movement variability which was to change from we used to have all of our weight plates uh stored on the wall on those wall mounted weight plate storage things and then we went to having them stored on the floor and uh and that me me that people had to bend over and pick their weight plates up and carry them over and stack them on their plate, and that action of bending over and picking up and putting down weight plates is a really, really functional and, movement. And pattern. the way
2: they're <laughs> stacked, like they each stack is per, um, you know, per bar. So you basically got to go the 2.5s first, then the fives, yeah, then the Yeah, So it's progressively, 15, loading. So it's progressively it's loading. It's progressively loading. It's warming you up. <laughs> yeah, and warming up your nervous there, system. So and it
1: is actually r- a really important functional movement pattern to be able to bend over and pick something up and rotate to to, to walk off with it you know so i just love that uh, in in unity gym even not not just the way it's it's dead set like mr miyagi so i'm calling it a mr miyagi you know where it's like wax on wax off and you're like how does this carry over to my why is this useful well hang on how many people throw their back out Picking something up, picking up a child, picking you know, yep. uh, picking up their suitcase, uh, doing something really benign that you don't think is actually training, and that's what happened to Daniel's son. You know, he was painting the damn fence, but really he was learning how to block a punch. You know, <laughs> you're picking up weight plates, but really you're learning how to kick ass in everyday life. Love that. Uh, so there you go, guys. You heard it first here, and uh, that's what our whole program's all about it's about crushing it in the real world not crushing it in the gym but if you just want to crush it in the gym you'll do that too big shout out to craig jenkins how are you and i'd also like to um give a special shout out to dave clark today i know he's on the stream i saw him earlier uh and uh Dave Clark did something that we really value, which is reporting some nonsense crap post that someone did in our UMS Movement Mastermind, sharing some uh, religious belief that they had and promoting something. And we're not, um, you know, we don't we don't judge anyone for being uh, religious and having a church and doing this and doing that. Uh, But we keep it very specific in that group, Um, very specific to training, very specific to nutrition, very specific to leveling up uh, one's health. Uh, it is not about soliciting and uh, and doing all that. And whoever did that didn't did not abide by the code of conduct. So thank you very much, Dave Clark. You're a champion.
2: And Craig Jenkins, to your question, was I late? Yes, you are late. What are you up to, mate? So we're starting <laughs> at 11:30 Sydney time uh, every day this week, which is an exciting change for us. Yep. Um, a bit of training in the morning before we. You know, yeah, get our party all, pump on here before I hope, I hope you guys party can tell. pump on yeah. today, yeah.
1: And now we're <laughs> jumping over to the online coaching uh, group, UMS Online Coaching. If you're a part of that group, if you're a part of the online coaching tribe, get yourself over there. We're going to be going live in about a minute, but that's all we've got time for today. This week, we're going to continue on the Becoming a Better Athlete, uh, Improving Athletic Performance. We're going to be talking about variables of progression, uh, movement complexity. We're going to be talking about the role a strength coach has on increasing load capacity. We gave you a little bit of a hint about that today, and we're going to be talking about how we keep it all simple in the UMS online coaching program to get optimal but results.
2: Tomorrow, we've got Nilesh uh, Mertie, my business partner for ADPT Physio, um, yeah, on the on the on the show tomorrow. Exciting! So he's a uh, you know he's got more experience than anyone here working with professional athletes. Ten years in uh, professional AFL, and uh, yeah, I think it would be a great chat with him talking about physio specific questions, but related to athletic
1: development, so. And we're finally gonna have someone in the fourth chair uh, on a weekly basis. So we'll see you all over there on the other group, guys. For everyone else, thank you very much for joining us today. Great discussion. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Rad. Thank you, Richie. Uh, let's go. See you tomorrow. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept so, what you're gonna to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. And
0: you nail that skill, that's there forever.
1: The body image goal doesn't get you that it's far. It's the
0: consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity.
1: There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will.
0: It's the gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love.
1: We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.